Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Today we've got a great malicious compliance story doing railroad work. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, call the cops if you insist. Many summers ago, I worked front desk at a regional headquarter of a multinational corporation. For a visitor to be granted entrance, they had to prove that A, they have an appointment, and B, they are who they claim to be. Now the first part was easy, no need to show us your email, just give us a name and we'd call that person to confirm. The second required some sort of ID though, driver's license, employee badge, something like that. Or your inviter would have to meet you out here and confirm to us in writing. Note that if we didn't keep your document, we just needed to put down your name and take a real quick glance of your face and photo. Most of our visitors had no problem with the protocol. Some would voice their frustration but still comply. Well, not this special guy. He got aggressive and demanded an explanation about the need for an ID when he was standing right here. Couldn't seem to grasp it however we tried, and he got increasingly louder. He didn't want his inviter to meet him outside because this is wrong. Security was ready to see him out when he screamed at us to call the cops because we needed to be arrested and taught a lesson on civil rights. Calls were made, cops came quickly, and he went out in cuffs. Turns out they already had a warrant, just weren't in a hurry to get him. Icing on the cake was that he was here for a job interview. So did they get the job? I can only imagine one would ace an interview after all that, right? Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, don't ask for spicy sizzling fajitas. Not something I did, but something that happened to me. A buddy of mine and I went up to a casino with his grandparents, the type of place that only has a thousand different types of slot machines. My buddy and I loaded up $20 onto the card, grabbed a beer, and had a good time losing it all. The grandparents lost a lot more, which factors into the later events. Afterwards, the buddy, his grandparents, and I went to a local Tex-Mex shop to get some food. My buddy and I both like spicy food and both like sizzling fajitas. Due to the fact that they tend to be expensive and the grandparents were paying, we decided to split a dish, though with a twist. We asked the waitress if they could make it spicy. The waitress protested but didn't speak the best English. However, we insisted and took our order to the back. I don't know who the cook was that day. I just have to say that I love and hate them. We all ordered a drink and were sitting around just having a good time shooting the crap. Then we heard the sizzle coming out of the kitchen doors. We knew our order was on its way, and my buddy and I were excited to see what they were bringing us. I tell you what, the cook did not disappoint. Cue malicious compliance. They brought out our food, put the grandparents' dish down first, then put the cast iron dish of our fajita meat down and it had smoke, not steam, coming off of it. It wasn't so bad at first, but before too long it was burning our eyes and it felt like we were inhaling pepper spray. The grandparents couldn't even finish their food or drinks before having to excuse themselves out. Soon the smoke started to spread out to the entire one room dining area, 
and you could hear people coughing and sniffling. That one dish slowly cleared out an entire restaurant except for my buddy and I. It was incredibly spicy. I think the cook, chef, used their own marinade for the steak. All we could taste was pain. Both of us have a decent spice tolerance, but neither of us liked to waste food. So we muscled through it and finished the whole dish. It was what we asked for after all. When we finished and cleared the bill, for our table anyhow, the grandparents couldn't come in to pay. We also left a $20 tip each. We got berated by his grandfather. He yelled and cussed at us the entire ride home, but we were in too much pain to care. It's still one of our favorite memories to talk about from time to time. Honestly, like, although it's a slightly miserable experience, it's also hilarious and one of those ones that you will never stop talking about. I mean, that's a lifelong memory right there if I've ever heard one. Our next story is, find me a parking ticket when I have proof of purchase? This happened the other year when lockdown was serious. My mate tested positive for COVID, so I did the proper thing of canceling my holiday and isolating for two weeks. This was right at the start before self-testing was available, so I just followed the guidelines. It was a very cold fortnight, so cold that at some point the adhesive on my parking permit fell from the windscreen into the footwell. When I finally return to the world, I go to my van and see a parking ticket for the previous night. My van hadn't moved in two weeks and the same parking attendant every day, just following the rules, hits me with a 75 British pound fine. I call the company up and get them to check their payment record. My 25 pound per month permit was in date and they have my vehicle details. They told me the rules on the signs are clear and if you don't display a ticket, you will receive said fine, no ifs or buts. I tried to fight it further, going nowhere. With my stubbornness, it ended up costing me nearly 200 pounds. Then it dawned on me, if they're not checking a system and just looking for a permit, why am I still paying for it? I called up and cancelled my monthly renewal and kept hold of the permit. That was about 21 months ago. It's so bleached from the sun you can hardly make it out, but it's valid in every way that matters to the parking attendant, and I keep saving an extra 25 pounds a month. It is pretty awesome that in them being so strict and ensuring that you have to have that visible, they pretty much revealed to you that they're not very studious in actually verifying it's a good ticket. I definitely feel for OP though because it was definitely out of their power that the adhesive failed and it fell off the windscreen. That's one of those mistakes that costs you and you feel like the world is just at odds with you. This next story is, they will open. Sure boss, this story is retold from a friend. He was working with a landlord company as a handyman of sorts. He hated this job. Anyways, he got assigned to visit some tenants to do heat readings in their apartments, and the tenants had gotten the info beforehand. What do I do if they aren't home or won't open, he asked, only to be met by a snarky, they will, by his boss. Fast forward a few days, now he's out knocking doors and doing heat readings. A little over halfway through, one tenant doesn't open the door. He checks his notes. Nobody had been written up as away for that time. So my friend promptly continues with the other apartments, goes back to the door and knocks again. No response. So we sat down on the stairs and waited until his shift ended and a few hours into overtime with overtime pay. Boss called and asked where he and the company car was and he explained the situation. The tenant hasn't yet opened the door. Boss got mad and even more mad when he got informed that my friend was going to clock overtime for today. He informed the boss that he was refused instructions for cases such as tenant doesn't open the door, so he was waiting for the tenant to do so. Boss tried to fire him, but the union actually backed my buddy, 
so he got to keep the job. You gotta love a boss that refuses to accept that sometimes circumstances are just out of your control and that things just might not be possible. I hate the kind of bosses that are like, just find a way to get it done. What am I gonna do, force them to open the door? Should I just break the door down? Just collect that overtime pay, I guess. Our next story is, there goes the sun or sun. Brief story and no one was upset, just some chuckles, but it seems to fit here so I thought I'd share. Long ago, when I was in middle school, my mom had invited her sister, my aunt, and aunt's boyfriend to dinner. While we were eating in, the sun shined in through one of the windows directly into my mother's eyes. After a minute or two, she said, Ah, I wish the sun would go away. Without saying a word, I got up, left the table, and went to my room. From what I heard afterwards, everyone was confused for a minute or two, until my aunt's boyfriend mentioned the line that was said out loud just before my departure. Yes, he said, the sun went away. Was a bit silly, but gave me a chuckle. At least this is the kind of people that can take that chuckle. You're not dealing with some narcissist who acts like this is some kind of weird behavioral affront to them. I've read too many entitled parent stories, and I'm so used to just expecting a parent to like blow up here thinking this is some disrespectful show, and then doubling down even after the joke is explained and it's just like a poo-pooing of the entire day. Our next story is all for the lack of something. I worked night shift, 12 midnight to 8 a.m. at a transportation company. My particular job at that time was to do breaks. I'm trying to anonymize everything so everything I say will be generic. I had to carry a radio and I walked outside at night and the weather in my area tended to be wet and cold. The summers were usually very nice and the overall climate was officially temperate. In the winter, it didn't have horrible icy temperatures, but it did snow and freeze, but it mostly rained a lot. And rain suits were necessary and temperatures of 40-ish Fahrenheit or 5-7 to Celsius were normal. It was miserable, but we did our jobs and we were young, so it was just a deal-with-it type situation. Further details, oil was usually on the brakes and everything else. They were often coated with oil and, of course, dust and dirt. The company issued us with PPE, gloves including long, heavy-duty rubber gloves as PPE to avoid this nasty, black, oily gunk built up on the brakes. My over 10-year-old radio belt and pouch were wore out. So I asked my supervisor for a replacement. Unfortunately, his personality was not the best and he wasn't very energetic, to be polite. So being that he wasn't a pleasant individual, dealing with him sometimes, about 95% of the time, was not a warm and fuzzy feeling. I'll call him YF for his title at the time. YF did not and would not get me a replacement pouch for whatever reason. And finally, my pouch just became totally unusable. The constant wetness for over 10 years caused the heavy leather to wear out and tear open. His answer was to tell me to carry it in one hand. Not that much of a problem, but definitely a pain when I had to do breaks. Malicious compliance time. It was a dark and stormy night. Yes, it was. Rain suits and rubber gloves were de rigueur, or absolutely necessary, that night. YF sent me and my mate out to work that night and had still refused to get me a radio pouch. I had to carry three things, the radio, a large flashlight, and my service tool, a heavy bar, all at the same time in my hands. My gloves became covered with black, filthy, and oily gunk. Nature of the job, so not a big deal, but I had to use both hands constantly doing the brakes. 
so I had to very carefully set the radio down when I had to use both hands. And this was constant that night. Rain was getting down the neck of the rain suit, kneeling and fighting with brakes, getting covered with gunk. It was not a fun night, and it was most of the entire shift of eight hours. These radios were very high-end, tough radios in the well over $2,000 price range each at the time. Unfortunately, the radio that I had that night ended up absolutely covered with gunk, but that was to be expected. Even more unfortunate, because it had to be carefully put on the ground where I was working, it ended up with the case cracked, the back split open, and of course, it filled with water and oily gunk. YF was distinctly not impressed when I placed it on his desk at the end of the shift, and I suggested it required a trip to the repair shop. Not sure it ever got put back in service, all for the lack of a proper radio pouch on a belt. Surprisingly, a new pouch miraculously appeared next shift. Yeah, OP definitely could have gone to their boss and tried to like spell it all out for them and explain, you know, waste all of this oxygen trying to make it blatantly obvious why they needed this pouch. Or the boss could have just done their job and supplied OP with the supplies they needed to properly do their job. This next story is a story about a cookie box. This happened a few years back. I divorced my ex-wife in 2009. During our marriage, we never had any big fights, but after we got divorced, my ex-wife made it her main goal in life to make my life miserable in any kind of way possible, and for the most stupid things. This was about a cookie box that my son used to take to school. He probably had like five to six of those boxes since kids in elementary school sometimes forget to bring their boxes back, or in this case it was the father. Since we were divorced, we had a schedule for when my son would be at my place and when he would be with her. At that day, I picked my son up from the school and put his lunchbox and cookie box in the dishwasher to clean for the next day. But for some reason, he didn't need his cookie box the next day, so it stayed at my place. His mom would pick him up after school. This is where the drama started. She picked my son up after school and, of course, there was no cookie box since it was still in my place. So after school, she rings me and starts abusing me for forgetting to send the cookie box with my son. Mind you, she probably had another five similar boxes. I got abused for being a bad father, although this was the first time I forgot that thing, and how she always has to pay for everything and she was sick of it. Next weekend, my son would be at my place again, and she told me I better make sure that cookie box was in his backpack when I dropped my son off at her place again on Sunday evening. My son apologized to me for all the drama his mom was creating because he also realized it was drama for nothing. He was like 10 at the time. I told him it wasn't his fault and that we would make sure mommy would never complain about cookie boxes anymore in the future. So we went to a shop, bought all the cookie boxes they had over there. My son was already laughing because he realized what was going to happen. After that, we went to the next town, to a similar shop, and again bought all the boxes. I think we did about three to four stores and cleared all the cookie boxes they had. These are small plastic boxes and cost nearly nothing. We had three to four plastic bags full of cookie boxes, and it cost something like 15 euros. So on Sunday, weekend's over, and it's time to bring my son back to his mom. She lives in an apartment, so I ring the bell and she answers over the phone. I tell her I'm there to drop off my son and that she better come down to the entrance of her apartment because I had some stuff for her. I kissed my son goodbye and left before she got down to the entrance. 
On Wednesday, I go pick up my son from school again, and my son was still laughing about it. His mom flipped out completely, but she never asked me for any cookie boxes anymore. Yeah, this isn't like some of the other stories I've heard where, like, one parent will buy their kid really nice clothes, and then when the kid goes to the other parent's house, they get returned with worse clothes on. This isn't like the dad's keeping the iPhone the kid has for themselves, you know? It's a $2 at max cookie box. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And it's not like he was even, like, trying to keep it for himself. Like, God forbid this father's trying to, like, steal their child's cookie box. Time clock rounding fun. I've worked union construction for a dozen years. First five were for commercial and industrial jobs, went residential in 2016, got used to accurate timekeeping where your clock in and out times are kept to the minute. Plenty of paychecks with random times like 39.92 hours because I clocked out five minutes early one day. Of course, the overtime at 1.5 times pay gets denied if you work five minutes over, so I kept a notebook and never got taken for a minute of my time without pay. Well, who would have thought, but the shop, worried about an extra five minutes, were focused on the wrong ways to make money. So I switched shops in 2020, a couple of months before the first shop closed doors, another story. The new shop has a self-reporting time instead of clocking in. Due to the last shop, I kept my time to the nearest five minutes, all logged. Most guys in the new shop take complete advantage of the self-reporting system, taking two-hour breaks, sleeping in vans, clocking in for their whole commute, Leaving early while working, you get the idea. Getting a union wage, I've never felt like I had any reason to take advantage. Figured a fair day's work for a fair wage is fair. One day I get a call from HR at my new shop, asking why I put in for 39.99 hours that week. I said my three jobs ended in 20 minute increments, forgot to round one of them up to end in .34, Apparently this was a crap show for HR, and after a few minutes of awkwardly asking if they want me to apologize for keeping accurate time and getting scolded for being too accurate, no one else does this, I got told to use the 15 minute rule. Literally asked, if I show up at 6.53, my time is the same as if I start at 7.07? Yep. So show up time is now 7.07, cutout time is 3.23. The first 15-minute paid break is 9.23 to 9.52. Lunch, 30-minute unpaid, is 11.53 to 12.37. Second 15-minute break is 1.53 to 2.22. One hour of breaks in an 8-hour day has turned into an hour and 42 minutes of breaks in a 7-hour and 46-minute day. 
Been doing this for a year, and I'd honestly feel bad if I didn't know how much money my labor's making them. The last time they let me see the numbers on the job site I'm running, we were at 29.5% profit after labor and material, one of the most profitable sites in the company. I mean, considering OP said that they're one of the most profitable sites in the company, it's no wonder they're not really caring too much as long as the, the profits are up and the work is getting done. I respect OP for still working hard because if I got into this environment and I saw all these other people who were taking naps and getting paid for it, I might be a little tempted to try it just a little bit here or there. Also hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit that subscribe button down below. That said, our next story is, Rude Delivery Driver Wants a Review? We'll give him a review. Several years ago, I briefly worked at B-Dubs, a popular wing restaurant. It's on campus, so it's utterly heck during football season. I was a hostess, so a big part of my job was inputting and handing out online orders to customers and delivery drivers. Part of our online order procedure was we needed the customer slash delivery driver to sign the receipt for their order to confirm it was picked up. A lot of the drivers would sign and write something like, please review smiley face or five stars smiley face next to their signature. We had an ability in our system to go back through orders and review the driver, but we were usually too busy to do so. We saw a lot of the same guys pretty regularly because it's a large campus right near the city. Most of them understood that if the order was just put in, it could take anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes for it to be ready. Wings need 12 minutes to cook, plus if there was anything put on them, plus how busy we were. But this one dude, despite being here a lot, was just an absolute jerk. We hostesses are not cooks, and have no control over how fast things get done. He knew this. We told him as much every single time he was in, but he would still stand right at the counter, pace back and forth, huff and puff and make snide comments at us while waiting for his order. Eventually, it would come up and he'd snatch it out of our hands and storm out. The last straw was when he snapped at the new girl and made her cry. I was livid, but there was nothing I could do. After he left, it got slow for a while. I was organizing delivery receipts when I realized how I could get back at him. Like I said, he was a regular and was also one of those guys that would always write, please review smiley face on their receipts. The receipts list the driver's name on them. After finding his name on the receipt, I went through our online order tablet and found every single order as far back as it went and gave this jerk a one-star review on every single order he ever picked up from us. You want a review? I'll give you a freaking review. For those that haven't done delivery, your driver rating is based on an average from all customers who rate you. A single one-star rating could take you from a 4.9, my average, to a 4.7 or 4.8 if you didn't have a lot of runs under your belt. I don't know about other apps, but I know the one I worked for required you to have your rating at a certain average to be allowed to continue driving, like no lower than 4.3 or something. Several one-star ratings could absolutely devastate someone's rating. Also, review bombing the driver has no impact on the customer. A couple of days later, he's back to pick up an order. Suddenly, he's now the kindest, politest, most patient delivery driver we've ever had. Strange. Wonder what gave him a change of heart. This time, when he signed his receipt, he wrote, Five stars, please, smiley face. I imagine there's not a lot of glitz and glamour in a job like that where you're doing delivery driver work. But yeah, you have to kind of grin and bear it when you're in that line of work, or else you are going to get booted from that program. 
even if the customers or even picking the food up is enough to make somebody grouchy and grumbly. Our next story is nagged into writing a review. I ordered from a place on DoorDash called Rotisserie Roast. I was craving mashed potatoes and that place came up in the search. Never heard of it, but the menu offers roast chicken and mashed potatoes. Okay, cool, I'm in. However, it was a pseudonym, or Ghost Kitchen, or Shell Company, or whatever they call it. It was actually Boston Market in disguise. I deliberately did not order from Boston Market when I was scrolling DoorDash because I don't like them. How do I know it's Boston Market in disguise? Because that's the branded logo bag my food was in. I ate only half of my food because I don't like their recipes and was reminded why. I was irritated, but I wasn't going to make a big deal out of it. I raided my delivery driver, but ignored the review request. Or I ignored it, until they emailed me three times with follow-up requests to rate and review my order. Okay, if you're sure that's what you want, I'll give it to you. Paraphrasing as close to verbatim as I can remember, I don't want to look it up, I said, I didn't like my food. I don't like Boston Market, and though they sold under a different name, that's still who made my food. I would not have ordered it if I knew this, so one star is their fault. There's definitely a lot more of this ghost kitchen stuff going on. If I'm not wrong, I think the food Mr. Beast makes, they're like burgers or something, is all ghost kitchens. I think I remember hearing a story of how Chuck E. Cheese sells pizza out of their Chuck E. Cheese restaurants under a different name. It's all over the place and incredibly easy with stuff like DoorDash because it's not like you can browse or really truly know where it's at. Our next story is Data Center Manager Forbids Systems Programming, Mainframe Sysadmins, from entering Data Center without getting Supervisor to sign them in first, even during an outage. This is an old story that happened to me. It's at an insurance company that had given me a few opportunities for malicious compliance. Other than medical folks and IT, their employees were either clerks or management, so they really liked rules. Not always well thought out ones. This was back in the dark ages of mainframe computers that were located in a central data center. So remember, no desktops or smart or even dumb cell phones to make contact easier. I had been a systems programmer, kind of like a mainframe sysadmin, who had moved up from operations physically run the data center, so I was very comfortable there and got along great with the staff and supervisors. But the manager, one more level up, let's call them Manager X, was a straight management paper pusher and didn't really understand the workflow of the room, and for some reason, didn't like seeing me in his computer room. My job did officially take me in there sometimes, so we did have access. While there, I would do my official tasks and talk to the staff to try and identify any upcoming issues as they came up, but before they became serious and impacted the production workflow. Between us, we would improve their workflow and make life simpler for us all. Now, if there was a big issue that stopped the running of the production jobs or impacted the online terminals, system programming would be contacted and someone, usually me, would come down to resolve the problem so they could get things running again and the 20,000 clerks could get back to processing people's medical insurance claims. So obviously time was of the essence. One day at an interdepartmental meeting with all the department heads and the head of IT present, the data center manager handed out a memo stating that from this point forward, no one, including systems programming, looking straight at me, could enter his data center without being signed in by the shift supervisor. Each new entry required a new sign-in signature. 
That was going to be a bit inconvenient on a normal day, but oh well, it is his data center, so I'll live with it. Of course, knowing that not all days are normal, I asked if there was going to be any exceptions for when there's an outage, or when we need to get in quickly and fix things, so the rest of the company can get back to processing their medical insurance claims. His response was that the rule was in place at all times and there will be no exceptions. And that includes you, again making a point of looking straight at me, a supervisor will come out to the security desk and sign you in. No sign in, no entrance. Not a bright move since this will be the time the supervisor is running around like crazy and not wanting to deal with signing someone in. Everything's fine for a while. A little slower getting some projects done, but workable. Then the not unexpected data center outage happens. You don't know when, but you know it will happen at some point. Cue malicious compliance. I go to the data center's security desk to get signed in. They are the entire floor, and you can't get in without going through a revolving metal turnstile. The security officer makes the announcement that someone from systems programming needs to be signed in over the PA public address system. Remember, no cell phones yet. We wait a few minutes, but no one shows up. I ask him to repeat the announcement in case the supervisor didn't hear or got distracted. I also suggest that he puts entries for each of the attempts to reach the supervisor in his logbook, since I don't want them being used as a convenient scapegoat. Wait a few more minutes and ask the security officer to try again. No response. Wait a few more minutes and ask the security officer to try again. No response. Wait a few more minutes and ask the security officer to try again. No response. Wait a few more minutes and ask the security officer to try again. No response. After maybe 25 to 30 minutes, the supervisor walks by by chance and sees me. He of course asks me where I've been and why I didn't just come in. I remind him that Manager X had made a point of there being no exceptions and that I was only allowed in if signed in by a supervisor. He thought a second and his shoulders slumped. Oh yeah, I remember Manager X saying that now. I'll sign you in and work on getting that changed. Next interdepartmental meeting, a new memo is given out giving systems programming access again without having to be signed in each time. To try and save face, he also made some comments about using restraint as to frequency while doing his best not to look in my direction. Glad I asked the security officer to log all their announcements in their logbook since Manager X did try and claim that they probably didn't make enough attempts. When the security supervisor came to give them a talking to, they just showed them the logbook. Security supervisor made a photocopy and shut down Manager X. I have no idea how much money it cost the company to have all the customer service and data entry people sitting around for an extra half hour due to his rule. I'm not sure how much money OP would have cost them either, but I do know one thing. The people who had to wait an extra half hour to get help with medical insurance claims are probably pissed. Or were, way back then. Our next story is, you asked for salad dressing? Got it. I was talking to my sister about this, and she said it belonged here. About three months ago, I was at work in an assisted living facility for adults with chronic mental illness. One client had schizophrenia and a traumatic brain injury, so he has extremely disorganized thinking and reacts to confusion or frustration with anger. I really like working with him though. One day Simon, because Simon says, fake name, 
came for lunch and I was serving. Now, at this facility, elderly clients often have help with carrying their food. Otherwise, the food is served at the kitchen and clients go to the tables to eat. It was soup day and Simon didn't have his walker, so as per protocol, I was to carry his soup to his table. Since Simon is proud and stubborn, and this was a change in his plans, it caused a bit of an incident with all the paperwork that accompanies. Although it was never physical, Simon apologized later, so it was okay. Fast forward to dinner that night, Simon asked for salad with dressing on the menu sign-up sheet. When Simon came up, with his walker, yay, and we had two choices of dressing, I asked him which he'd prefer. Simon didn't realize what I said and snapped at me. I already said I wanted dressing, so I divided his salad into two piles, and he had Caesar on one, balsamic vinaigrette on the other. My malicious compliance earned me a huge smile and a lot less yelling since. Well, as long as Simon didn't complain, I say keep it up. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.